I want to talk to you today about breaking a limitation mindset. I want to open the Bible, and I want to teach you what the Bible talks to you about in this relative place of, of resources. Again, every year, for all of our guests, every year, the same three weekends I talk. Week one, I talk about how to get out of debt. By the way, how many of y'all enjoyed that message last weekend? Did y'all enjoy that? I got a lot of feedback. If you weren't here, I want to say to all of our locations, please go online. It's Dave Ramsey 101. We're a big Dave Ramsey church, how to get out of debt, how to position yourself. This weekend, I always teach the same concept, and it's all about how to put God first. In other words, how to not break down, but how to break through in the realm of your finances. So many people are living in lack. So many people are living in what we call insufficiency because they don't know what the Bible teaches, how to invite the supernatural into their finances. This is going to blow some of y'all away. You may not know this, but 16 of the 38 parables, you know the parables, you know the stuff in red in the New Testament? How many of y'all remember when you actually used to read the Bible and not read it on your phone? The phone doesn't do the red. Y'all do realize that, right? You, you do realize that. Well, the Bible, remember the stuff, you know, read the red, okay? 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught are related to stewardship, finances, and money. 40%. Mm, maybe Jesus is really trying to get the message across. There's 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. There's 500 verses in the Bible. Oh, watch this. On heaven and hell. There's 2,500 verses on stewardship, finances, and resources. I believe God is trying to say this. Yes, I want to make sure your soul is saved, your sins are forgiven, and you spend eternity in heaven. But I want to make sure on the here and now on earth that you really know how to steward finances my way. God's way. Well, that's what this series is about every year. I, I am so grateful I'm grateful that there were three men in my life when I became a Christian. Uh, my dad, a man named Will, and my pastor, the associate pastor of the church that taught me what I'm going to teach you today. They taught me this principle. I, I, I remember as a young Christian, I became a Christian at 19 years old. I was a freshman at Tulane University, and I'm so grateful that I saw my dad and my mom tithe, but I remember having a conversation with my dad about the principle of putting God first. And I remember him sitting there and said, Steve, okay, you're a Christian now. Remember, it's very important that when you get paid, that you put God first. Everybody say first. God doesn't get leftovers. He doesn't get second. He doesn't get third. But you put God first. The Bible calls it a tithe. Now, remember, I grew up in church, but I slept a lot. I didn't get a lot of the messages. It wasn't the preacher's fault. It was because of where I was. And so I don't know why it is, but for whatever reason, I just didn't get that message. I wasn't a Christian until I became in, in college, but, but, but this was a revolutionary concept. I'm not talking about generosity. I'm not talking about helping the poor. That's important. That's offerings. I'm talking about he taught me the principle of the tithe. And then I had a man I worked for. His name is Will. Actually, my second son is named after him. He was a mentor to me. And, and, and I worked for him in college. And business. I never forget the day that I sat down with him. I'd been a Christian about a year and a half. And he said, Steve, let me ask you a question. Do you understand what it means to tithe? And I said, tithe? I, I, well, I, I actually, I, I do. I'm, I'm growing in this, this understanding. Matter of fact, I just had a conversation recently about it. He said, 
He said, no, let me just explain how important it is. He was a businessman. He says, my life was a wreck. I was on the wrong course. And I understood when God taught me about the principle of putting God first. Everybody say first. He goes, I, 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 it was revolutionary in my life. Everything changed when I understood the principle of why God had prospered me. And I put right off the bat the first dollar out of $10, the first 10% right off the bat, I gave it to God. And here's what he said. I'm going to routinely ask you if you're tithing. I'm like, man, that's kind of invasive, I thought. He goes, if you're going to work for me, you're going to be a tither. And then you're going to give over and above to the poor. I thought, wow. And he would ask me. There's another man, the associate pastor of the church that I grew up in. And he took me under his wing and he started discipling me. And I remember when he gave me the exact same conversation. He said, Steve, I remember he goes, Steve, you're talented. And one day you're going to do great things. But I'm going to tell you something. You better learn this young. The younger that you can learn this, the more I'm telling you, you got to get this. you got to understand that when God blesses you, when God blesses you, I was working for Mr. Will at the time. He goes, right off the bat, the first $10 out of $100, right off the bat, you got to give that to God. I am so grateful that I had the privilege very early on learning, uh, watch this, how to keep money out of my heart, but how to keep it in my hands. I want to say a couple statements. God gave the ancient biblical practice of tithing for this reason, to keep money out of your heart and to keep it in your hands. The question we have to ask is, will we love and trust money or will we love and trust God? A lot of people, watch this, love God, watch this, and use money. But some people use God and love money. There's a difference. The issue is where your heart is. Will you love God and use money or will you use God and love money. In other words, what keeps money out of your heart and keeps it in your hand? Because by the way, there's only two gods in the world. Only two. Not three, not four, not five, not six. There's only two. Jesus said there's only two. Here they are. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. And what's that next word? Say it. Mammon, which is the Aramaic term for, for money. There's only two gods. God knows that money and things are the number one competitor to your heart. Now, here's the cool thing about it. If God, listen, if you keep money out of your heart, guess what? God will allow it to be in your hands, and God doesn't have a problem at times putting a lot in your hands. But he's got a big problem with money being your God. I'll say this so many times. I've been the pastor of this church 23 years. Money is a wonderful tool. It's just a lousy God. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. God will bless you. God will prosper you. God only has one problem with money having you. What is the number one ancient practice that God has given us in his word, watch us, to make sure that money doesn't have us and that we, quote, control money, but money doesn't control us? There's only one principle. There's not two principles. There's not three principles. There's one principle. I'm going to talk to you about it today. The number one principle. It's an ancient biblical principle. It goes all the way back to the beginning. It's the ancient biblical principle called tithing. Not generosity, not giving, tithing. And I'm going to explain the difference today. 
If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. This practice keeps God number one in your life. This practice keeps money, because here's what money wants to do. It wants to crawl from your hand. It wants to crawl up your arm. It wants to crawl through your shoulder. And it wants to set up its throne on your heart. The number one thing in biblical practice, I'm going to teach you, the Bible teaches that keeps money out of your heart and it keeps you, watch this, having money in your hand. Tithing keeps you having a right relationship with money. Tithing does. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. I'm so excited about this. How many of y'all excited about this message? I'm fired up about it. Oh, by the way, by the way, for the new people, I teach on tithing one time a year. This is the weekend. This is the weekend. Oh, darn, I wanted to miss that. Darn. I, <laughs> I, we really don't talk about it a lot of the show. I, I t- one time, but, it's, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't apologize. I don't apologize because it'll transform your, it'll slay It'll slay materialism that tries to destroy your life. And it'll keep money in a proper perspective where you can bless people and enjoy your life absolutely. But you're in a position to be able to help others. I'm telling you, it'll transform your life, your whole life. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Here it is. Buckle your seatbelts. I love this. Will a man rob God? Who? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Two recorded robberies. Number one, in tithes. Number two, in offerings. He says, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes. By the way, you don't give tithes. You give offerings. You bring tithes. Everyone say bring. The word bring means to return. Remember, tithing is giving to God. Generosity is giving to people. Did you get that? Tithing is returning to God the first 10% right off the top of how he's blessed you. Tithing is returning. Generosity is giving. One is to God, the other is to people. And we need to do them both, but it starts with returning to God. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, said the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke, we're going to talk about that a little bit. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. Isn't that powerful? For you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord. Let me give you a little background. The name Malachi actually means my messenger. There was a wrong mindset that these people had. By the way, the book of Malachi was the last book written in the, in the Old Testament. 400 years of what's called the silent years. And just think about this. One of the last things that God says to his people for 400 years. The problem was, is he saw spiritual poverty across the land. And he saw physical poverty. But the spiritual poverty, oh, and the physical poverty, it was connected because they were putting, watch this, they were replacing things for worshiping gods. They were worshiping things 
and they weren't worshiping God. And God comes on the scene and he begins to talk to them. In other words, they were living in lack. They were living in overflow. They, they were living in poverty in every area of their lives. And the prophet, God's messenger, he begins to help them adjust their priorities. That's what a message does like this today. When you hear God's word, my opinions don't change you. God's word changes you. My philosophy doesn't change you. God's word changes you. When you begin to hear God's word, God's perspective on family, on life, on our nation, on whatever. When you hear God's word, God's prayer, it shifts your mindset. They had been living in a limitation mindset. Why? They had forgot the biblical principle of tithing and putting God first. A lot of people get generosity and tithing confused. I'll say it again. I'll say it three or four times. Tithing is about putting God number one in your life. There's only two gods. There's not three gods. There's not four gods. There's not five gods. There's money, which controls the world, or you submit to money and what the perceived power attached to it is, or you submit to God. You either use God and love money, or you serve God and use money. And what keeps it out of your heart, Malachi says, you've got to return to God something. You forgot. You've got your priorities out of whack. You're just living for yourself. And God's, he, he just, every now and then you think about God. And, and, and so money is taking a disproportionate place in your heart. That's what he says right here. Wow. I'll say it again. The number one way to break lack in our lives is practicing the biblical practice of tithing. Now, right off the bat, I know some people and and uh, I know scripture, and, and I know some, right, well, pastor, hold on, time out. Uh, you know, isn't tithing under the law? And we're not under the law, and so we're free. We don't tithe anymore. We, why do we give 10% of our income? Well, let me help everybody out. Tithing is not about the law. Tithing is a principle that supersedes the law. As a matter of fact, tithing was first instituted 430 years before the law, the moral law, the civil law. The judicial law in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, Abraham, the first place in the Bible it was mentioned is Genesis chapter 14. The Bible says that Abraham returned and gave a tithe, a tithe to his high priest, Melchizedek. That was 430 years before the law. So tithing, giving 10% of our income to God, preceded the law. It's in the law and it postdated the law. Because it's not about the law, it's about a principle of putting God first. You got to see this. It's a principle of putting God first. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. It goes on. The Bible goes on. And let me tell you something. When you begin to understand and live this way, your whole life, you begin to see all the income, whatever blessing, bonuses, whatever. You buy a house for X, you sell, you buy a house for $200,000, you sell it for $250,000, you make $50,000. Right off the bat, whoom, that $5,000 goes to God. Why? It belongs to God. Pastor, is that in the Bible? It's in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land and the agricultural economy, that's what it was then. All the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it's the Lord's. It doesn't belong to you. It's the Lord's, the Bible says. It's holy to the Lord. Now, the word tithe means tenth. It's the Hebrew word masar, M-A-A-S-E-R. It means tenth. It literally means a tenth. So that means we give a tenth of our income, our salary, a bonus, a profit, we give it 
to God. Why? Because it's holy. Watch this. You got to see this. This first part, it says, God, you're number one in my life. Do you see it? It keeps it out of your heart, and it keeps it in your hand. And I'm going to say this again. God, if he can keep money out of your heart, guess what? He can put a lot in your hand. Oh, he doesn't have a problem you having money. He just doesn't want it crawling up your arm and getting into your heart. Pastor, what did Jesus talk about tithing? He affirmed tithing. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Woe to the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. That's seedlings. Remember, agricultural economy. So they were tithing off of their seedlings. All right? But... You've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now watch this. He affirms it. These you ought to have done. You should tithe. But don't neglect justice and mercy and faith. In other words, be a tither, but don't be a jerk. That's what he said. Okay, that's my virgin, but that was his point. Be kind to people, okay? Tithe, but be kind to people. So the problem is, the problem that so many people, they, they, they don't understand, they don't understand the bigger picture at times. I, um, it's interesting, I, I'll, I'll say this to you guys, I, uh, I have four children, three older ones, and then I have a, a younger one, 10 years younger uh, than my younger son, da- daughter, son, son, and a younger daughter, 10 years. So the three older ones, never forget, one day I, I brought my two older boys, my two boys, to, to, uh, to McDonald's one day to eat. Now, you have to understand my strategy. My strategy is because I'm very concerned about gaining weight. And the reason why I'm concerned about it is because people in the church will say, Pastor, you look good. Have you lost weight? Implication, you used to be fat. That's what the, that's the... So if you had people commenting on your weight as much as I did, you would be paranoid too. Okay, everybody can. So the way that I watch my weight, and here's how it works, is if I go somewhere, like I'll get a ham. So I'm going to get a cheeseburger, and if I don't order fries, and I just eat fries off of somebody else's plate, it's better. Does that make sense? Because it's less calories. I don't know how that works, but it just works. And so you limit exposure to calories. So, so I, I, I always, I never get fries. So it's like, so my boys, I'm like, get some fries. So I never forget years ago and we were at McDonald's. And so I did that strategy because I don't want, I want to, you know, to be an in-shape pastor. All right. So I asked one of my sons. And so, cause I had the hamburger, I didn't have fries. So I reached over to get his fries and he said to just, just some. And he said to me, No. No. So I reached over again. I was like, I just want some fries. And so he kind of just kind of paps my hand a little bit. I said, I said, what, what, what are you doing? He says, these are mine. I said, oh, wait a minute. Let, let me help you with something. You own nothing. You are basically very poor. I'm serious. I'm like, you don't own anything. I said, I, I'm going to have to teach you some, some principles because this is, so you, you have to understand right off the bat. Number one, I bought you those fries. You do realize that the money came out of my pocket. I own the fries. 
I bought you the fries. They're my fries. I gave you the fries, but, but, but you didn't have any. They're my fries. I've, I've loaned them to you. And number two, I didn't want all the fries. I just wanted some of the fries. I just said, can I have some of the fries? That's it. In other words, can I have a tithe of the fries? I'm the Lord of the fries. I just want a tithe. That was funny. Are you with me? So number one, I own the fries. I've lumped them to, led them to you. I just want a tie. That I just, can I just have that? And, and then number three, and then I just got in the, I just got in the flesh. <laughs> I can't believe I did this. I just said, you know what? I said, you just don't get, he's like, and he was still kind of stubborn. I was like, you just don't understand. And I just, I got the fries and I just, I couldn't believe I did this. And I just kind of picked it. I said, you don't get it. I own the fries. They're all my fries. I just want a little bit of fries. I could buy 55 packs of fries and jump them on your head if I wanted to. Why don't you see this? You'll never forget this, by the way. <laughs> and then it dawned on me. We do the same thing with God. God blesses us. He prospers us. Matter of fact, how many are grateful that you have breath in your lungs that you could even come to church today? Come on, are y'all with me? That's God. God. God is the one that is giving you breath and life and ingenuity and skill and opportunity and place you in a great nation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He owns it all and he's lent you opportunity. He's prospered you. And by the way, according to the world standards, everybody in America is prosperous. You do realize that. And then he says, I want you to return to me a tithe. It's your loan payment for, letting, for God allowing us to live on the earth. That's really what it is. I just, wanted to, I just want to see if you really believe that it all comes from me. And then God says, I can open up the windows of heaven. And pour out so much on you. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. How many are grateful that God provides? Come on, how many are grateful that God provides? I want to give you guys in our remaining time three things that the tithe does straight out of Malachi 3. This is going to help you today. And then some of you are going to have to make a decision. Do you believe what God says or not? You're going to have to put God to the test. This is in the Bible. Three things the tithe does. Number one, the tithe provides for God's work through his church. Look what it says. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes. Everyone say all. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse in the Old Testament is a place that they stored granary. It's a place of physical food. In the New Testament, the correlation is the local church. It's a place of spiritual food. You're fed physical food, New Testament fed spiritual food. And notice what he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Your first 10%, watch this, goes to God, but watch this, it goes through the place that you're spiritually fed. 
In other words, we don't give our tithe to our famous missionary. That's an offering. We don't give our tithe to our famous TV preacher. That's an offering, and it's wonderful to do that. We don't give it to the poor. That's an offering, and we should do that, and we teach on that. But our tithe goes to a place that we're spiritually fed. That there may be, look what it says, that there may be food in my house. Many of you during service this weekend tithe or online you tithe or mail it in tithe. But what you're doing is, what you're doing is you're tithing to a place that there's spiritual food. And by the way, not just spiritual food for the adults on the weekend, but we are giving spiritual food to the children. Not just to the children during service, but spiritual food to the thousand teenagers on Wednesday night. How many are grateful for what God's doing in the teenagers at Church of the King? But not just spiritual food to them, spiritual food to all the small groups. In January, we'll have 10,000 people in small groups. So it's spiritual food on the weekend, spiritual food to the kids. And by the way, I say this very respectfully. I say this in the fear of the Lord. If you're not getting fed at Church of the King, you need to find a church that you are being fed spiritual food. But then when you get there, you need a tithe. Why? So that the spiritual food can be multiplied and more people can come to Christ. So that's important. By the way, this year, the church has not only grown 1,000 people, we've had the largest amount, 600 people water baptized because they've heard spiritual messages and their lives have been transformed by Christ. How many are grateful for what Christ has done? So your tithe goes to the place that you're fed spiritually. Number two, tithing increases our faith in God. Here it goes. Here's what it teaches us. By the way, that lady said it on the video. When we tithe, it actually teaches us that God's blessing on our 90% goes further than us doing life on our own with our 100%. And by the way, you talk to a tither, it doesn't even make sense sometimes. I tell you why it doesn't make sense. It's God's supernatural that gets involved with you. You, you. Let me tell you something. Everybody you ever talk to that's a tither goes, I don't even know, it just, it's the supernatural, and yes, they work hard, and, but they put God first, and it, it invites the supernatural into their lives. It increases our faith. Then you see God's blessing, and, and, and you know what a non-tither says? Here's what a non-tither says. They said, I would rather live self-reliant than God-reliant. See, when you're God-reliant, what you're saying is that first 10% goes to God. It's like, God, I trust you. I need your blessing on my skills. I need your blessing on my business. I need your blessing. And by the way, oh, by the way, we don't believe the blessing of God is just financial. We all know some rich people that are not peace with God. They're not blessed. But the blessing of God includes that. It's in every area of our lives. So don't just locate it to one area. It's all across the board. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Look what he says. He says, and try me now in this, said the Lord of hosts. God actually invites us to test him. If I'll not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. So here's the deal. Every time you get paid, it's like this. Beep. It's a test. Here's the test. Do you trust yourself or do you trust God? In other words, every time increase comes, there's a test. Oh, by the way, by the way. Tithing, my mom, who's, who's here at church, I love my mom. She used to tell me, kid, don't test the Lord, don't test the Lord. And she's 99% right, except related to tithing. Tithing is the only place in the Bible where God actually invites us to test him. Hear what he said. Everybody say, test him. 
So actually, when we get paid, it's a double test. God's testing us, watching to see what we do, but then we give to God and we watch him and see what he does. Ooh. Test God. If I don't open the windows, you say, Pastor, why 10%? Well, I don't know. God chose it. Now, I do know this. Wait, wait. I do know that numbers mean something in the Bible. Okay, seven is the number of perfection, the number often associated with God. Isn't that right? Okay, there's another number in the Bible, six. Six is the number of what? Man. Ten in the Bible is the number of testing. Let me give you an example. How many commandments did Moses come down in the book of Exodus? How many commandments did he give us? Okay, the people that had the, the what commandment? You all saw the movie. Come on. The what commandment? Say it. The, the Ten Commandments that test the heart of man. By the way, we can't fulfill the Ten Commandments in our own strength. That's why we need the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Okay, but Ten Commandments, testing the heart of man. Oh, by the way, how many plagues? How many plagues were sent by God to test Pharaoh's heart. How many? Come on, everybody say it. Ten. Ten commandments, ten plagues. Oh, how many lepers were healed by Jesus in Luke chapter 17 and only one came back to say thanks? How many lepers? Come on, say it. Ten. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, let me keep going. How many disciples were there? There were twelve. I'm just testing you. See? <laughs> I, I thought I was going to get somebody went ten. Oh, wake up. It's twelve. So ten... Ten's the number of testing in the Bible. And every time you get paid, every time increase comes, it's, there's a test. God's testing you. Do you trust me? And am I first? I want to keep money out of your heart. Put it in your hands. And he'll put a lot in your hands, but you've got to keep it out of your heart. Or, or is it crawling up your heart? But number two, we also test God. And then he says this. This is so powerful. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. In other words, God says, I will rebuke. What was the devourer? It was insects that were destroying the crops. God says, you've cut off. You know the biggest way that we steal from God is when we steal God's ability to bless us when we don't obey him according to the word. We restrict God's ability because he wants to bless us. We're his kids, right? If you trust Christ. It's your savior. There is a man by the name of Alexander Kerr. At the age of 14, he came to Christ. Talking about rebuking the devourer. This is a powerful story. Don't miss this. At the age of 14, he came to Christ under the famous Dwight L. Moody, who was an evangelist. And as a young man, he started out in business and he read this book. And the book was called Judah's Scepter and Joseph's Birthright. And it talked about the biblical principle of tithing and putting God first. The ancient biblical principle based upon this scripture, Genesis 28, 22, of all that you gave me, I will surely give you a what? If I say it, a 10. By the way, that was Isaac gave the Lord a 10. How did Isaac learn to tithe? He saw his father Abraham tithe. By the way, parents, don't wait. Teach your kids when they're young. First 10% off of everything, boom, belongs to God. Put it in their hearts as young kids. This man had a business, and he read this. He was so challenged by it. And at the end of the, this pamphlet, it says, test God for one year and see what God does. He committed to that, and he began to tithe. And his business was a wooden business making glass 
jars in the middle of San Francisco. Alexander Kerr, you'll know this name, was the founder of the Kerr Glass Manufacturer. You can look this up after church. Not while I'm preaching. The ushers will show me if it's you. <laughs> I'm joking. There was an earthquake in 1906 in San Francisco. You remember it. Great fire ripped across the city. He was out of town. He began to get telegrams. And here's what they said. Surely all of your warehouse, all of your factory is going to be destroyed. He said, it's not true. Let God's word be true and let every man be a liar. He got on a train. He kept coming back. He kept coming back. He kept saying, I take God at his word that God rebukes the devourer off of my family, off of my business, off of my money. Now watch this. He comes. This is a true historical fact. You can read this in the history books after service. He comes back. His factory was probably the most flammable place on the planet. It was a wood factory, wood fencing, and the fire came right in glass jars. It came right up to it, and it was supernaturally stopped. He took God at his word, and he saw that when you take God at his word, he will rebuke the devourer for your sake off of your life. How many are grateful for that? Let me give you the third and final thing. The tithe teaches us to put God first. That's what it's about. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. Here it is. The purpose of tithing. Pastor, what's the purpose of tithing? Remember, tithing's not about generosity. Generosity is giving to man. Tithing is putting God first, giving to God. What's the purpose? What's the ultimate purpose? It's right here. The ultimate purpose of tithing is to teach you. Tithing is... It's to train the heart. It's to teach you always to put God, come on, say it, first in your life. Let me ask you a question. Is God first or is he second? Does he get the leftovers? Everybody else is paid and then, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the Lord. No, or, 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 or is God's first? It takes faith. It takes faith. To put God first. Pastor, are you saying that, I mean, that I may have to like, Pastor, look, if I get serious about this, and by the way, this is my one time a year, every year, same weekend, I unapologetically teach what the Bible talks about putting God first with the tithe. And by the way, next year it'll be the same weekend. Why? Because here's what I know. Money is a great tool. But if you're not a tither, it can rip your life apart because it'll crawl up your arm and get in your heart. Before you know it, it's dictating to you. Yeah. But if God's first, everybody say God first. Pastor, I, I'm going I'm to have to, if I get serious, I'm going to have to reprioritize. I mean, I'm going to have to recategorize things. I mean, what, what do, so, so, I mean, I'm going to have to get radical to put God first. I mean, because after all, yeah, yeah. Why not? Whatever it takes, put God first. First fruits. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Here's what, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. Right off the bat, first fruits. He doesn't get second, doesn't get right off the bat. By the way, I've been doing this for 35 years since I was a Christian, way before I was a pastor. Train my heart, train my heart. God's number one, not money. God's number one, not money. God's number one. Money's a tool. Money can help. Money can blast. Money, but God, money, money in your heart is a lie. It'll lie to you. It'll make you feel in control. It'll try to talk to you. 
It'll try to tell you things. It'll remove you from accountability. It'll place you in a place of independence apart from God and other people. Yeah. Oh, but when it's in your hand and God is number one in your heart, guess what? Then, then, then you tell money where it goes. We can help people. We can serve. We can be kind. We can see our family blessed. Oh, but, 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 now, but now you and God are in control of that. Why? Because God's first. It's a test. It's a test. Some of you are going to have to do it by faith. 2024, just by faith. Put God first. Put God first. It's like that lady said, she goes, my gosh, I almost right. Huh. When you, and, then, and then all of a sudden, you begin to see, ah, you know what's happening? You know what's happening? You're unleveraging yourself from being controlled by money. And by the way, it has nothing to do with the amounts. Nothing. It has to do with putting God first. By the way, I'm so grateful that God the Father sent Jesus and put, listen, he sent him first to die for us. He sent him first. Everybody say first. Before we responded, before we repented, before we turned, God the Father sent God the Son first, first as our Savior. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I just sense the Holy Spirit right now. I just sense the presence of God right now. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I want to talk to you. I've got literally one minute left. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. I tell you who can. His name is Jesus. I can point to the one who can save. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls upon that name, the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, the counter through, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's you at the counter through, just lift your hand up high. One, two, three. I need Christ. If that's you, God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you, guys. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, sir. And you, ma'am, right there. And you up top. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. Yeah. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am, as well. God bless you, my friend. Way up top right there. Yeah. It's awesome. Wow. God bless you. God bless you right there. Church, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ? God bless you, my friend. Way up top. God loves you. He brought you here today. Yeah. Yeah. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ, and I'll let you go. Here it is. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus. I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. Say this, say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Man, what a powerful message. And right now I wanna take a minute to talk to those of you out there who want to make the decision today for the very first time to give your lives to Jesus or maybe to rededicate your life to him. If that's you, I wanna say congratulations. We believe that this is the best decision you could ever make. And I also wanna ask, would you do me a favor? Would you do me a quick favor? Click the link on the screen, fill out a short form and let us know. 
we as your church family want to celebrate this decision that you're making. And we also wanna come alongside you and resource you and equip you in your new journey with Jesus. So fill that form out, let us know. And as you're doing that, I also wanna just say this, starting today, you are a new creation. Your sin, your shame, your guilt no longer defines you. From this day forward, you are made brand new. And as you give your sin and your shame to Jesus, he is gonna give you freedom and hope and joy. And so we are so excited. We are celebrating with you because today is a brand new day. Yes, and like Christian said, you are brand new. You have been made brand new and we are celebrating with you and we are so excited to see what the Lord is going to do in and through you as you continue to show up, as you continue to give him your all. We are believing that he is going to do some amazing things in and through you. And hey, speaking of showing up, next week we are wrapping up our series Overflow. So make sure you're here to join us because we know it's gonna be so powerful. We'll see you next week, same time. Same place, have a great week.